0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, um, uh, we here, we here, we here, we here, we here. Oh, my goodness. I feel foxy. I feel so foxy. How you feel? Do you feel foxy? If you're foxy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're foxy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're foxy and you know it, then your voice will surely show it. If you're foxy and you know it, Ugh. raise your hand. All righty, all righty, all righty. This is TNC, the next chapter. Um, today we're talking about legacy, but I just got a message from the Baba, and he said that he wants to do um, do it next Monday. So um, next Monday we are gonna have um, wow. It's, it's, it's interesting because this brother is a world renowned poet. He's a professor. He's a mentor, all around just dope dude who I was under for a number of years. And his name is Mutabo Okanta. And um, yeah, you'd be able to check him out if you look at um, Shake Ann to Joke Legacy Poem, or you can look at um, MK Poet One. Dot com that's who's gonna be on next week. He's been to Africa more times than I can count. Um, he studies this is the brother to tell you what kind of brother this dude is. He was the kind of brother who didn't go to Africa until he knew what country he was going to, and he studied the tradition and the history of the country he was going to to make sure that he was ultimately respectful and knew what to do and what not to do and how to show the most love and concern and compassion and connectivity with the people he was going to. And he never went to a country in Africa where he didn't study first. That's the kind of dude we're talking about. So today, um we have another I have another guest who I'm hoping will call in. Um and that's in Goma. But um you know, um I ain't heard from him, so um, you know I don't know what's going on. Hopefully, going to call in. I'm going to send him another message and see if I can get him on the show. And um, yes, because he lives on Facebook, he's on there a lot. So hopefully, he'll be checking his message because I sent him something. And then y'all yeah, want to, you know, get him on here so we can get it going. But other than that, that um if we if if we if if they don't call in is it, it's still okay because w- what you might not know is is gypsy star and a have had a whole whole lot of exposure to a lot of people who are part of our legacy and who have knowledge of our legacy. And so what we're going to talk about if they don't call in is what it's like being under them, the lessons we've learned from them, and then preface it on having them on the shows consecutively. So we'll probably have um um Okata on next week. Um my god my godparents are um, the last poets, so I'm gonna be in touch with Baba Tunde, um, Abiyo Dune, and Umar ben Hassan, and I'm going to see if we can get them on there next week. And what we're going to do is we're going to continue to bring this legacy show until, you know, we stop having people who's part of our legacy call in. But we are definitely, definitely, definitely going to keep this going because I don't know about um, Gypsy, but one thing that I believe is one of the biggest Gaps we have In the African American Diaspora As part of the African diaspora Is A Discontinuous legacy And what I'm saying that is I'm not saying that we haven't Continually had Somebody Around doing things And building legacy But what I'm saying is There is not a coherence Continuous legacy that is, how will we say? Um, what's the word I'm gonna say? Codify or organize for African American people. In other words, there's stuff that's happening. We talk about our history, but like in the old tradition, there are no there are no elders or griots who learn these stories from children and pass them down so there's not gaps in them and who, who are charged as keepers of it. You know, we just have a whole bunch of history and we find out, did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? And, you know, there's not a whole lot of communication on this is who I learned about. Who'd you learn about? It's only through word of mouth or you know personal discussions, and so we need to have. I think the I, I think the word is like codified, but not necessarily, you know, some rigid structure, but a codified homogeneous uh, manner of putting out and maintaining our history and our culture for the purpose of solidifying and protecting our legacy. Because if we're putting it out, if we're putting it <laughs> excuse on, me, brother.
2: Yeah, we don't. Have, yeah. Can hey, can you dumb it down for the people who, <laughs> who who ain't read the dictionary, brother? You know, I'm just saying.
1: Okay, okay. So what I'm saying is, we need to begin to put together a narrative as a group, as an African-American people, and I don't mean everybody, I mean the people who are skilled and knowledgeable of it, like, you know, we can get Ivan Van certainly even though he, you know, Egyptian and he comes in here, you know, you get in here, or Kometan, depending on what you want to call, you know, we got the Cornell West, we you know, we got the, um, you know, we have the people of legacy, like the last poets, we got the um, Michael Eric Dyson, we, you know, we got the, um, I think, the, the, um, the Gates Bill Lewis Gates, I think his name is. I always mess up his name because I always mix him up with um with Bill Gates. And I'm just like, huh, but it's Lewis Gates. But we have a lot of people who are skilled and knowledgeable about our history, and it is their job and their and their profession and the dedication to teach it and to bring all of them together and have them put together, not an exhaustive you know, but and as exhaustive as possible, as big as possible, history and legacy that has a continuum to them so we can see from once we came to where we got here, and that way when people are like, oh, you know, this and that and the other, we ain't going to go check on, you know, Google or anything like that. Look, And we're going to be like, you know what, well, we as a people got together and we, we did our own thing, so let's go on there and check, and then if something that someone says it's not on there – Okay, well, let's consult with the people who know. Let's consult with the professionals and the people that, you know, we, we charge as keepers of history, and, and let's see what they got to say. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't have that. I mean, we get 10 different stories about 10 different things, and then but bouncing back to last week when we were talking, was it last week or the week before, when we were talking about, you know, two weeks. black movies, huh, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, when you're talking about black movies, and we were talking about how they were coming out, and they didn't change major stuff and adding in to additional people, you know, where if we had that kind of structure together, you know, we'd be like, listen, you preview the movie with us to make sure it's cool, because if it comes out and it ain't cool, we don't make sure nobody goes to see it and nobody supports it. We don't care if black people are in it or not. We going not be about the business. taking care of our business and that's gonna be that. You know what I'm saying? But um right. That's what I'm talking about. Um when it comes to that, we we need to have that. You know, but we don't so people can put out movies, you know, with bigger long in it. (laughs) You know, and we we running out to see it like, you know, did you know there's a they
2: grow them bigger, long. Chase here, Tubman for years. It's like, you know what? <laughs> it's like that joke got made up just for Hollywood, and we should Well, have them. let me say, let me say this, because uh, let me say this. We I, and, and I appreciate where you're going with that, but first, let, let's do this. Yes, we're talking about legacy, but let them, let them know what we tuned into. So, since you didn't do it, I'm going to do it. Welcome to, the T- to TNC Radio, the next chapter, where we will always be diving into open, in depth conversations about dreams, determination, and dedication, and the journey taken to realize them, focusing on transitioning from one level to another. And recognizing when and how to move to the next chapter Now, with that being said A town and Gypsy star Now, with that being said Mm -hmm. Let the, uh Let the, uh, ignorant Yeah, I can hear you One thing that's not listed is that Hello? I don't Hello? Hello. Let me get my friend Samford on If I didn't care, he dropped. Okay. Well, while he's waiting to call back in, we're going to uh going to let you guys know this. A town and myself are intellectuals, but we're quite ignorant. So there's going to be some ignorant stuff said, but in a very intellectual manner. So, you know, if you can get past the jokes and everything, You're going to enjoy yourself. If you can't take a joke that may be a little sensitive, Uh, this ain't for you, and I'm sorry. Uh, Go buy a vowel and a sense of humor, I guess. That's just me. But while we're waiting on A-Town to call back in, uh, what I'm going to do is right now, I like to play a little music for the people, try and get my co-host back. So I'm going to play a little music for you guys. Uh, Let's see where we want to go. Oh, here's here's a good one. Yes, indeedy. Oh, here he is. A-Town. A-Town. Going once. Going twice. All right, we're going to figure this out. I'm going to play some music, and then we're going to come back and get into it. Yo, yo, man, I had to do it. That's that is Ruck my out. joint. Ruck. You know what? I'm gonna tell you in the early 70s and late 80s, if you didn't say that in your rap song, you really didn't mean what you were saying. If you said that meant that that was as good as James <laughs> that, was a, that was the lyrics, <laughs> right. Hey, like we need something to Yup, that's it. <laughs> True story. Before we get off into this. True story. Me and my lady were, uh,
0: <laughs> we were
2: We just started we just started dating and we went uh a friend of mine was DJing. I came in town um and we had went to hear the guy DJ and, you know, got kinda hang out a little bit. And it was a dude standing by the DJ booth. My boy was doing his thing, and it was a cat. He had to be, like, 32, and, like, he would switch the song, and homeboy just out of nowhere would be like, Ruh, I swear I thought this dude had hip-hop Tourette. Like, it was just, I, I was like, did he just say, Ruh? Really? Really? Yeah, man. It, it was crazy. Wild crazy night that night. I was just like, "Did I just hear him?" Because it took him like three times for me to realize what he had said. (laughs) So I played that because you were talking about the Gria. You know, and Mm -hmm. that's a very important thing um, because when hip hop came out. That was pretty much the the mm. rebirth of the Griots. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Those were the that was the rebirthing of the storytellers of the people who uh, like your Slick Ricks with a children's story, or you know, or that oral tradition that you know we came from. Yes, in Africa they did right before. Um, the Europeans came down there, but they also had a very oral tradition for what for their knowledges that was secret and sacred, and they and they gave to each generation and how they taught things. That's the reason why, like even in your DNA, man, you can go and you can hear somebody say something, and you'll remember it. sometimes better than when you write it down you know that's how come we can pick up on song type song lyrics that much faster because we're used to an oral tradition that's how come like you go to your and and speaking of legacies you go your grandmama make your favorite cake and you go ask your grandma hey grandma can you teach me how to make this cake she'd be like sure baby and then she just starts grabbing stuff and putting things in the pot and or in the in the mixing bowl. And you're like, okay, well, Grandma, how many cups of flour? Maybe I don't know. I just grab the flour and put it in there because I know what I'm doing. And then you just got to figure out what that measurement means and then go on from there. That's how. <laughs> that's how. No, I'm. Am, anybody that's done cooking with their old aunts or something. You Hey, Auntie, uh, how you make that sweet potato pie? Hey, baby, I do this, 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 and this. Well, how much of this, 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 and this? Uh, I can tell you the steps. I don't really measure. I like so, when they be like, is there a, yeah, this, this much
1: and this much, and they just grab something and throw it in there. It's like, cause, you know, could you give me a measurement? Like, we ain't got the same size <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, 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 what does this much look like? You know, for me. <laughs>
2: hey, do that slower. Right. Right. And that but that's but that's that tradition. And usually and usually that's how we pick up on stuff. Okay, well it's this much. Okay, what do you mean this much? And then we break that down. That's what that's that's part of that legacy. So that's what hip hop also kind of did in the early days. You know, it gave us that. It it, it, it took us back to that tradition. You know, because, you know, that's one of my favorite. I'm not even going to lie. That's one of my favorite tracks by uh, Grandmaster Flash, where that was credited to Grandmaster Melly Mel and the Furious Five. But, you know, between that and uh the message, those are the two, you know, oddest joints that, in my opinion, that those jokers came out with because he talked about everything that was going on at the planet in the time, at that time. And then he even said something that's relevant today with everybody on their smartphones, you know, when he said, don't be a slave to no computer. You got a computer in your pocket and you can't do nothing without it. <laughs> so yep. you know that's that's part of that legacy. You know, to be so in tune that you even can drop something for future tense. You know. So Yeah, no, that, that, that's
1: the that. cool side, but this is this is um what in 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 conjunction with legacy, this is the one of the things that gets me is that the legacy of hip-hop was you could tell what was happening in society. You could tell what black folks was going through. You could tell what people of color were going through, you know, regardless by listening to hip-hop music. And you had every every sphere, you know, whether you were, like, um, from the, you know, West Indies, where if you were, from, like, you know, you know you were um, from the islands, Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, Beijing, whatever, there was somebody in hip-hop who not only was you but reflected your story in the music. Like, right now, if I listened to hip-hop, I wouldn't know what was going on
2: with black people. I wouldn't. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. I'm
1: talking about the social. Um, and I'm, I'm talking about hip hop in general. Like, if you pick one or two people, yes. But as a whole, if you listen to hip hop, you wouldn't get a picture of the struggles and stuff we're going through now. Everything is, for the most I part, make the is. I'm, I, and I'm talking about on a whole. I'm not talking about, like, I'm not saying that there isn't any. I'm just saying if you take what's out most of the – what gets played most of the time, not stuff that you got to go find, not stuff that you got to go look for and somebody got to tell you, oh, this group from so-and-so dropped something, let me send you a link. I'm talking about what's out. At one point, what was popular and what was out was reflective of our culture and what we were going through. Now you got to search for that stuff. You got to find the art. You got to know somebody who knows somebody.
2: Well, I, unfortunately, I would still beg the difference. Unfortunately. How so? How so? Most of the shit that's hot and on the radio right now is lost. It's just, we lost. We lost.
1: (laughs) Okay, I got what you're saying, but I'll talk about specific topics, but yeah, if you want to know our state of mind, yes, I get, I, I do agree with you on that. But I, I, I'll talk about specific subject matter. Yes, but yeah, okay. You got a point. You, you backdoored me. You got me. my mouth was open. My mouth was open. Okay.
0: <laughs> I said, come ten.
2: I said, come ten. Go. Let her go ninety. You see, if you ain't seen Hitch, you don't know what I'm talking about. See, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. But but with that, I say we. I say we. That's reflective of where we are right now. Like, unfortunately, you got people raising kids who were who their hair heyday. They had a little public enemy. They had a little. Uh, they had Public Enemy, they had NWA,
1: they had
2: all these people, but they also had Lil Kim's nasty ass. They also grew up probably in the eighth grade listening to Pushy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and they weren't talking and they weren't talking about exercising when they were talking about pushy. So, you know what I mean? And, and, like and but at the same awesome. time, you had your Queen Latifas and your MC lights. So And I don't really want to get all into the hip-hop thing right now, but it is a part of our legacy, so I just want to touch upon it because hopefully we'll get uh, a a hip-hop, let's just say, hopefully we'll have somebody from the hip-hop community who is a worthy veteran um, to uh, call in. And and be on the show with us To do that But just touching on that You know so You know look If mama was little Kim Back when she was you know In her college years And late high school Or or, you know Just getting out of college I'm kicking it I'm dating Whatever And she grew up (laughs) Trying to be Nicki Minaj and Cardi B, and that's who the daughter's being. Guess what? <laughs> you got a legacy of chicken head and hold up That's what you're passing <laughs> on. So don't don't get mad when your nine year old is twerking on Instagram. Don't go beat her ass. You know. Don't go beat that ass. You did go go once you done whooping her. Go to your mama's house and let her mom, and let your mama beat your ass. That's what I say. That's well, what I say. I'm I'm gonna tell, you, I'm gonna tell you from experience. Dads, same, I'm gonna tell you same.
0: from.
1: Well, like I said, I'm gonna tell oh, you from experience because I I was I was, a, I was a preschool teacher, and I will tell you. I saw some stuff in my preschool that was so messed up that I literally started sending letters home to parents, check this out, to monitor their kids and what they watch and listen to, because if they acted age inappropriately in my classroom, they were going to be consequences. But think about this. Why am I sending letters home? And I ask myself, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to send a letter home to parents to tell them to monitor what their kids are doing? Like, I'm teaching preschool. I shouldn't have to say that. You know what I'm saying? I should not have to say anything about a parent paying attention to what their child is doing. That is amazing to me, but I had to because, like you said, they were in there. They weren't twerking. Believe me, their gestures and their movements were not age-appropriate, and you could tell they had been listening to or watching somebody who wasn't supposed to be doing something, and I'm just like, yo, no, that, that does not happen. We, we do not do that in my classroom. And then ask them, where would you get that? Oh, I was watching it on a video. But where were your parents at when you were watching on the video? Oh, they were in the other room. Like, you have unfettered access to videos? Like, really? Like, like who okay. a preschool person? <laughs> I'm just like...
2: And don't get me wrong. I'm not acting like we didn't watch... Stuff that we weren't supposed to be watching and things that we weren't supposed to be seeing and sneaking and listening to because Lord knows I was um, <laughs> that was just me
1: but but the thing about it is but the thing about it is with you you knew that you were sneaking and doing stuff these kids ain't sneaking their parents are just sitting them in front of a TV and letting them go for their own so they're actually taking this stuff that they're seeing as something that they should be doing. When I watched something I knew I wasn't supposed to watch, my mama never knew because I knew that she found out that I was watching it. Like, for instance, listening to comedy albums like Richard Pryor and all them other folks. My mother, if, I, if my mother knew that I was listening to that junk, she would beat my behind. And we snuck to listen to that stuff when she left the house. But we had to sneak. We knew true that story. that was not what we were supposed to do. You know, she didn't true just be like, hey, baby, I'm going to listen to Richard Fryer and some all this other stuff. Come on, listen to me and, you know, play this when I'm not home.
2: <laughs> true. No, true story. <laughs> I was 16 years old, gangster rap, Robin Harris, all that, DJing my mother's party, Right? she mm-hmm. said, hey, we about to play some Millie Jackson. Now, it's a New Year's Eve part, right? It's just about 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. My father comes up to me and says, hey, we about to play Millie Jackson. You got to go. <laughs> I'm like... Negro, I, all right, I'll go upstairs. She said, no, <laughs> you got to get out. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like, it's 16. I'm 16, and it's 16 degrees outside. <laughs> January 1st <laughs> at 1 o'clock in the morning. Where the hell am I going? Y'all can hang out in the backyard for a while. Me and my cousin, who was DJing the party. My aunt died. I inherited all her records. And she had a couple Millie Jackson records. Swear to God, true story. (laughs) I'm grown. I got a wife, two kids. I looked at my mama and daddy and asked, Am I old enough to listen to Millie Jackson now? (laughs) True story. You know, and I wasn't even being facetious about it. Like, I seriously wanted to know, oh, shit, am I old enough to listen to this? Like, I'm grown as hell. (laughs) I got a teenage son, you know, but that's the difference. But, see, that's the legacy of raising your children, not maintaining a child, raising a child. There's a legacy in that. Because you're supposed to raise children. You know. <laughs> that, that that you know,
1: it's funny how that works. You have children, you raise them. <laughs> it's like the hell. Like why do you have to be told that? But you know, let, let but let's 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 really start focusing on the topic. Because like I said, we we've had the, the privilege of sitting under some great people knowing some great things, and, um, and just seeing, you know, parts of history walk through and talk to us and, and minister to us on, you know, big levels. So what do you think is one of, or just, you know, we ain't doing this Biggest Little List. What are the benefits of the legacy that you've been able to experience and, and and incorporate into your life What would you say are the biggest benefits And just mention one or two things About how it happened And what, what it was
2: um, Before I can even go um, To sitting at Oconto's feet Because he used to come to my high school and I would just, you know, from the time the assembly was in second period to the time he left, I was just with him all day. Um, you know, he every classroom he went to, I went to. You know, I'm and I'm there. I don't even I ain't even in this class, but I'm in this class today. You know what I mean? And my guidance counselors would do all of that before I had the privilege of meeting Douglas Um, I had a couple of people in my family who were some of the most brilliant people that I ever have had the pleasure of knowing. One of which um, is my aunt. Um, She exposed me to a lot of the arts and stuff through Caramel House, uh, which is the oldest black theater house in the country, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Langston Hughes did poet, wrote poetry in Karamu at 16 years old, okay? So that's how far Caramu goes back. Um, my aunt ran it for 10 years, and because I was always a hyperactive-ass kid, she just took me and took me up there, and I was exposed to a bunch of stuff on the artistic side. On the intellectual side, one of the most brilliant men that i've ever had the pleasure of knowing um, and i and I mention this all the time and um is my is uncle Frank you know <laughs> and what was what was dope about uncle frank's house you know and I remembered this when MTV started doing cribs with all the rappers and the gold, and they crystal and the swimming pools and the bitches in the pools and all of that shit. I looked at that and I said, yeah, but y'all ain't got a library in your house. Because <laughs> like, Uncle Frank had a library. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he had a library. Yeah. Like, I thought that was the dopest shit in the world. Like, I have not been to another black person's house who wasn't like a millionaire and oh well I live in a mansion and over here is the drawing room and no this brother had an actual library to the point of when I was in elementary school I didn't go to the Shaker Heights Public Library first I went to Uncle Frank's house and then I went to the library so yeah. that as a foundation right there put me on a path so that I could meet doom and Oconta and all of those cats. So I have to go all the way back to the, to the beginning for me and stuff like that is you can't buy that. You can't, you can't, I can't tell you how much that has shaped me to the point of like, okay, when we move in our house, there's going to be a room in my house that's going to be a dedicated library because yeah. Uncle Frank had a library and somebody has to keep that going. And that's just, it, you know, that I, I always thought that was just the flyest shit ever. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> man, he, he got a library, though. Like, you know... Yeah, you know. Yeah, man, that's, and that's, stuff like that. Uh, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, man. So it's um, you remind me of man, so many stories. Like um, as you know, and people don't know, I've had some very monumentous mentors, and I'm not saying that to right, brag. I'm just saying I've been blessed. To be under some magnificent people. One of the people who was my mentor for years was Matt Sanford. Y'all might know him by that or Muhammad Ahmed. He was at one point Malcolm X's personal secretary. When I say this dude was amazing, I went to his house and, like you said, a library. He had, he and he was living um. Like it was in Cleveland, it was this area that had factories and they turned them into malls. So you had ceilings that were like ten feet high. You walked into this dude's house, I mean it was his law, and he had books all along the wall in milk crates, stacked almost up to the ceiling, to the point where literally you had to stand on something to reach the highest crate. And I'm like, how many books do you have in here? And then he was like, about 4,000. I'm like, you have 4,000 books in here? I'm like, yeah. I said, why do you have all these books? He said, these are all the books I've read. I was like, man, he said, and I'm going to let you know right now, that if you go through here and get a book, you have to check it out. I'm like, you have to check it out. He's like, yeah, he says, they're you know, all alphabetized and categorized, and they have a library card, because people come in here, and they want to get my books, and I don't see them again. So I categorize them, and I organize them, and when you pick it up, you get a library card, and you sign out that book, and then you bring it back. I was just like, oh, my goodness. You read 4,000 books? I'm like do you leave the house Like what else do you do But He also Was a Tai Chi master And I used to do Tai Chi with him And then we were sitting together And after Tai Chi And we would talk With the old heads And they would talk about stuff from history That I'd only read about Wasn't even here to see And at that point it taught me the importance of one a legacy of keeping it alive and, and having a means of reliving it and rehashing it for the purpose of looking how it looking for how it pertains to our future and also for the importance of being able to pass it down. The one thing that that that, that I look at to the chagrin of black people now is there is a lot of legacy that is passing away, and we're not recording it. We don't have access to it, and once it leaves, it's gone. There ain't nothing that we can do with that. And I'm just like, man, there's so much we're losing. And I know the benefit of being up under them and listening to stories and listening to them talk about it. Like, the other thing about history was um, we used to do this thing in Idlewild, Michigan, Called Poetry in the Woods And for people who don't know about Idlewild, Michigan This is one of your black history things. This, I, and, and I don't say it lightly Idlewild, Michigan Is something that every person Of color Specifically African Americans Should know about It is the first resort area Where black people can go to And at one point It was the only resort area That black people could go to and on any given weekend, it would be 10,000 people, 10,000 running through Idlewild. And when I say everybody came through there, everybody who was somebody who was black came through there. Whether you were Motown or whatever record, no matter whether you were actress or actor, people who came through there, the former headquarters of the UNIA, Idlewild, Michigan. Just, I mean, it's that place. And so we doing poetry in the woods. And one year, the performers were me, Reggie Gaines, Reggie Gibson, um, the last poets, and Dick Gregory came to speak. And so Idlewild, Michigan is in the cut. So you um, we, we drove from Detroit, you fly into Detroit, and then you drive into Idlewild, or you, drive, you fly into Lansing and drive into Idlewild. But we drove into Detroit, and from Detroit to Idaho, Michigan, you got the last poets as Baba Tunde, Umar ben Hassan, um, Avi Odun Oyewole, and Dick Gregory sitting up in the front talking about history, stuff that we read about, talking about talking to, you know, um, talking to, um, like, the people from our history. You know, talk like Dick Gregory talking about talking to Malcolm and all this other kind of stuff, talking to Martin, all this. And, and it's just like we sit back here and Reggie Gaines, and for those who don't know, Reggie Gaines got a Tony Award for writing the poetry for Bringing the North and Bring the Fault, which is a play that um, he put together with Sevilla and Glover. And so this dude, a Tony Award-winning poet who worked with Sevilla and Glover Reggie Gibson, who's the person who the movie Love Jones was based off of, we're sitting in the back, and Reggie Gaines said, how tripped is it that we get to sit in the back of a van for two and a half, three hours, and listen to the last poets discuss history with Dick Gregory? And we didn't say a thing. We were like little kids, and it was just amazing. And so... The one thing that I would say, the big thing for me and legacy was mentorship. I had mentors, and there's a lot of things that I don't deal with as a black person that other black people deal with that I don't react to, that other people, black people react to that don't move me, and it's not because I'm better or anything like that. It's just I've had mentors, and they taught me how to deal with and react to certain situations. Like when we talked when I talked to them, they were like, trouble. They're like, you black in America. Like, why are you bugging out at trouble? That's part of your (laughs) DNA makeup. You know what I'm saying? They're like, if you can't deal with trouble, you you in the wrong country to be black. So when trouble comes, I don't bug out. Because I've been taught through history that this is going is not it's not our destiny. In other words, we're not going to always be troubled to the point where we are now or before. But until we get to that end point where we've conquered it, trouble is just going to be part of the everyday thing. And the level of it is going to be dependent on what you do and how you do it. And so either you are going to deal with it or you're not. And so just mean, just all of that, man, and being able to sit up under these people. And listen to them Talk about and give Talk about the history And give insight man, it, it For me That's what frames Who I am Not only Not totally framed, But of course there's other influence But help frames who I am as a man Specifically An African American man Or a man of African descent Who Lives in America and it's part and, is a, and part and parcel a product of the centuries of of inhumane enslavement. Dude, it's like I it's having a mentor who's about their business changes your lives. Like look at look at the inner city, look at just you know pe- you know kids from broken families, how they talk about how their lives changed male or female, when they got a mentor. And that mentor was knowledgeable and could reach them and started giving them information that was valuable to them. And next thing you know, bingo, look at this. This is what's happening. This is what's going on. And I'm just like, wow. And when you don't have a mentor, you don't have that. And so there's a lot of
2: kids. Yeah, go ahead. So based, based upon what you're saying, not to cut you because you're saying some beautiful stuff, I'm just trying to summarize. Um, so basically what you're saying is one of the main things involving legacy for you, and I think I touched on this a little bit, but, you know, Abiy O'Doom, ben, Omar Ben-a-son, uh Dick Gregory, all those, the late, great Dick Gregory, let me say that. Um, From what I'm understanding, you know, he's a, these were elders who took time with you to become mentors to you. So, the first thing in a legacy is eldership our elders? You, you need those elders to impart that wisdom to you. Is that the is that spirit? You know what we talking about. Okay. Just because you got gray hair and. <laughs> Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold no, on. I mean, I, I, no, I mean, no, I got to do a disclaimer because I don't know how far you're going to go.
1: What he's saying, might be the views of the show, definitely are not the views of, of the our network radio station. Because I don't know exactly how deep he's going to get with this, so I'm doing a disclaimer. <laughs> don't hold us accountable for what he says. Only the principle, not not for entire content. Okay, go ahead.
2: Just because you got gray hairs on your private parts don't mean you're an elder. A lot of you niggas is just old people, okay? Okay. There's a difference between an elder and an old person. Just going to keep it real. You know,
1: if you are... What's the difference between...
2: What's the difference between an elder and an old person? An elder walks in their station in life. You know what I mean? Just because you were grandmother, now it don't mean you got to put on the moo-moo and start baking biscuits and start humming and sound like the end of the damn Jeffersons. No, (laughs) ma'am. Nobody's saying that. But You can't be getting dressed in the same outfit that your granddaughter is getting dressed in, and her mama, and all going out to the same club, trying trying to uh, get the same little nappy headed urchins. No, no, mommy, you old. <laughs> you're an old person. Okay, you're not. You're, no, I don't care how many Pilates you do, baby. You old. Okay. If you went, if you went out in uh, and, and your heyday was, you know, Sister Sledge, and them, or 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 before that, or even if your heyday was the the Beat Street breakdown that we was playing, baby, give it up, resign to your station, and teach the younger generations from your mistakes and your triumphs. See, that's the difference between old people. They can tell you the history, and then they can tell you how not to fall into the pitfalls of life. They yes. don't encourage your dumb shit. Old people discourage discour- your dumb shit. Don't, you're not old because you got gray hair on your, on, on your private parts. No. You're, you, you're, you're just old. An elder imparts that wisdom. There's a tremendous difference, tremendous. And some of us who are Gen Xers moving into that elder, moving into those elder years, we need to really start looking at: Are we just going to be old people, or are we going to be elders? And that is a very real conversation. That we need to have, because unfortunately, and I love my mama, I love my daddy, and I love my my uh, everybody all those in that age group, but the one thing that the baby boomers they changed the world, yes, they did, yes, Lord, thank you for all of your you know thank you for your sacrifices and your service all day, but one thing that y'all also did. Was y'all created, old people, and not elders? Your grandparents, your your their parents were elders. Were elders. You had very few just niggas that was old. There is a difference, and we have to recognize that difference and correct sometimes a bad way of of what we were shown. There's a difference between old people and elders. That's my little diatribe on that. But yeah, I from what you're saying, I'm, I'm if I'm understanding correctly, elders are the cornerstone of a long and lasting legacy and a long and lasting um, prosperous and fruitful people. Am, am or am I? Reading too much into that.
1: No, oh no, it's okay. No, it's a point, you know, you had to earn the right to be an elder. You know what I'm saying? It it wasn't one of those things where you just got, like you said, you got old and all of a sudden you were an elder. You know, that was a prized position. You know what I'm saying? People wanted to get that, and you had to. um, Know, do a lot, you know, as far as putting yourself like you. I mean, you had to be willing to um to sit under somebody and learn the story and you had to sit up there and learn the culture. You had to sit up there and and, and say that you're gonna dedicate yourself to the culture. You just get to be something, you know what I'm saying? You know, and so it, it was it was a life. It was a life um it was a life choice. And it also was a weight of life. And so, um, and I know that sounds crazy. But sometimes people try to make life choices without making them ways of life. And so that's the thing about it. You want to understand that to become an elder is something you work with. Like if you don't get you just don't get old, you know what I'm saying, and then um, you don't just get old and then sit up there and be like, oh, okay, I'm an elder now." But no, uh-uh, that's not the way this works. <laughs> and so, you know, it's important that we understand that. So, oh, my goodness,
2: I sit stood up, got caught in a chair, Can you still hear me? Yeah I can hear you oh. We can hear you Okay.
1: So yeah So that's what he's talking about So That's what we're talking about elders so, Just because you all don't call it like I get elder, You're older <laughs> You're not an elder The difference between being older And an elder Keep it together but, Yeah man and, so, and, and that's a lot of problems People They want to do the they want to do. Um, they want to do the job without getting it. You know, they want to be like, "I'm an elder. I'm your elder." It's like, "No, you're not. You're not my elder. You 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 are far from my elder. You are you are somebody who who grew old and you got a little bit of something, but you don't have to live the wisdom or wherewithal." To call yourself an elder And I think that's where we have to be real careful You know what I'm saying But You talked about history. How has The legacy that you've gotten From people shaped your View of the world and your view of history And What you accept about the world in your history?
2: Well Part of that, I, I, that's how I developed learning what's the difference between an old person and an elder because I'm mm-hmm. both, you know what I mean, so I can say, oh, there's a distinct difference. One, two. Um, the lessons I've learned has been, you know, one of the main things. I've always kind of been intelligent, not, you know, trying to be braggadocious. I'm just, you know, I've always been kind of smart. But sometimes you have to realize you're not the smartest person in the room. And when you are in the presence of anything great, you shut the fuck up and learn (laughs) from the great. Yeah. You know, um so in that it's recognizing what's what the who's who, looking at the world around us, um like you said, uh one story you know with the content became I. I know, I was, I didn't read some books, you know, it's all power to the people. God were black power and all that shit. And I asked in hindsight, what seems to be the dumbest fucking question in the history of questions. <laughs> I said, um, so, you know, uh, something about Dealing with the powers that be in this in this school in this society, and he looked at me as if to say "fool," but he didn't say that part. But he gave the look, said it, and I got parents, so I know what that look mean <laughs> And he said, "It's the powers that be that brought me here." So I slinked back down into my chair, you know. And I thought about it, What he had said One there are certain people He couldn't have been there if the administration Didn't sign off on him being there Okay So that's the easy part of that question But then I got deeper with it And realized That there's a power that They even the administration Has to answer to And Mm -hmm. I don't think he was necessarily talking about that particular power. But uh, as far as the administration, I think he was talking about the power that the administration had to answer to. And that's what designed him to even be in that space for me to ask that question. Right then and there, not only did I get a civics lesson, but I also got a, 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 if I could be so bold as to say, a metaphysics lesson in just him answering that one question and answering it in a way that made me go back and use my own intelligence to take myself to a different level by just the way he looked at me and asked the question. But, after that, he also singled me out to be with him the entire day. I didn't really
1: understand
2: hmm. it at the time, but it was man that was it was like that was one of the every now and again, I go back to that moment and i can and I'm continually. Learning from just that two-minute conversation in the, uh, in the in the auditorium from when I was like fifteen, sixteen years old. So when you're talking about legacies and shaping you, there are certain moments and people that you would talk to in life that they would give you so much and something so very small that it, it, it can reshape and make you continuously rethink and reevaluate how you are navigating the world around you and then even the uh not just the outer verse but the inner verse with inside yourself and how you're processing stuff. So he calls me at that point to look Deeper than the book or deeper than the administration or the legislation. He caused me to look at things on four or five different levels. So, you know, that's one of the things that sitting around somebody like that has done for me. Because, you know, I'll ask you a question we'll have conversation. I'll ask you a question and I got like nine different roadmaps on what's up. And then I'll say, or am I tripping? And you go, and and the first thing you'll say is, Negro, are you serious? Like, and then you'll answer the question. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you can blame O'Connor for that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. So, yeah, it's, and it's it's wonders, like, you know, like you said, you know, it, it just changes you. Like, you, you end up with stuff that you wouldn't have. And that's a duh statement. Of course, if you learn something from somebody, that's the way it's going to be. But for me, it was, it changed the way that I look at history and the way I would accept it being taught to me and also the level of the level of, let me see, how do I put this? The level of correctness somebody had to come with to tell me about my history and also how thorough I was in questioning the presentation, not in an interrogated manner where I'm like, you're going to prove this to be, but in a manner where I was like, okay, you got to answer this, you got to answer this, you got to answer this. I don't accept this. What about this? You know what I'm saying? Because if you don't ask those questions, you end up getting a description, and then that description becomes your narrative, and if that description isn't accurate, you walking around with an inaccurate understanding swearing you understand something. You know, and I'm just like, that... That is everything because we're going to make a decision about the world and what it looks like based on what we crystallize in our hearts and minds based on what's brought to us. And if you don't have a filtering out process, if you don't have a standard for the information and stuff that's brought to you, you liable to accept anything or do anything. So, yeah, it changed my point of view. It's like, you know, I was talking about Okata, and everybody's talking about I'm going to the continent, I'm going to the continent. And you know he's like, "I'm not going to the continent until I know about the traditions and about the the cut about the traditions, the history of the place I'm going and he he went there and it was like a tour, and he was telling me about it that it was him and some other you know other Americans touring tour, I forgot what country they were in, but you know, um one couple. I guess the woman was from there. And so she did some, I'm not going to say research, because based on what I'm about to tell you, you'd be like, what kind of research did she really do? She looked some stuff up. She heard a name, and she took the name because the name came from where she found out where she was from on the continent, the country. And when she got there, she asked one of the babas, the elders, to marry her. And the guy said no. And then he's like, you know, but I want to be married in my country where I'm from, this that and the other. And he said no. And when she asked why, he said, because the name that you took from our language means toothpaste. So how serious do you take your culture and studies in your history when the name that you take on as your name to identify yourself is Two space, That's disrespectful. He wouldn't marry. Him. You know. And, and... <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. That is the most <laughs> hilarious shit in the world. And because I'm sorry, mm. it's that shit is hilarious. Also, because that goes back into one naming and two. Naming your kid Alize and shit like that, which is still happening today.
1: <laughs> Yo,
2: dude, I, I
1: have one that tops them all. I have one that tops them all <laughs> to the point where it, it's, it's actually scary. Um, in in um in 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 college, you know, you know, it was brothers, and you know, the Muslim brothers always cracked me up. They're like, "Yo, I'm gonna convert her." I'm going to convert her. That's going to be my wife. And one day, these Muslim brothers surrounded this girl. I mean, she's very attractive, very attractive girl. And, you know, um, they, they throw a game on her, right? And none of these fools even knew her name. And one of them was what's your name? And she said, Shay talk. And I kid you not, every one of them brothers got up, and they were just like, "Oh no, she didn't say that. She didn't say that." You know what I'm saying? And she and they got up and ran out. And then she was just like, she was crying, like, "Why didn't you do me like that?" You know, I told them my name, and they gonna run out, like I did something to them. I'm like, "You don't know, do you?" And then she was like, "No, what?" I said, "About your name." She said, "What about my name? Run into Shaykh Ha." I said, "Where did you get?" your name for She said, my mother heard some um, Muslim brothers talking and she heard the word shaytad and she was like, oh, that's a beautiful name. And so she named me shaytad. I said, do you know shaytad? In that language means saint. She said, quick line. I said, no, I'm serious. Your mother named you saint." And <laughs> she was like, <laughs> and she started crying and and, and for the rest of her time in college, she went by Shay. She didn't go by Shaitan, so her school was just Shay, and she wouldn't go by Shaitan anymore. But i am think about that. Mom overheard some brothers talking, said a name. She didn't check into the name or nothing, and literally named her daughter Satan. This is what I'm talking about, wall And this goes back to Okata and Legacy. Okata would always tell people. Don't accept what I tell you. Go research what I tell you. Go research the information I bring to you, because you don't know if I'm telling you the truth. So go research it and find out. Don't just accept it, because that's how people get doomed and then get just left out because they just accept what's given to them. And they don't study So my thing is Now I am not one of those people Who you can just come to me With a history lesson And I don't do so. and I'll give you And I'll give you an example Based on today Everybody was talking about the coronavirus And the flu And the flu is, corona, um, the flu is more deadly Than the coronavirus And all this other kind of stuff And so I did my research. I did, and I did, I mean, I looked up numbers and stuff, and they say on average influenza, the flu kills between 21 to 60,000 people a year, 61,000 max, 21,000 the average minimum. The the mortality rate goes from anywhere from 3 to 11 percent, and sometimes gets as high as 20 percent. So then I'm like, okay, those are the numbers for influenza. Let's look up the numbers for um, coronavirus. And, you know, they say the numbers are, like, out on coronavirus because there's not full testing. They don't know exposure. But they're estimating coronavirus, as of now, has infected 750,000 people minimum and is killed with social distancing, like what, like thirty or forty thousand. I don't know some the, the count as of, as of the beginning of May. So I'm starting to think about this. The flu, at its worst, recorded has killed sixty-one thousand people. And if we say it was a high infection rate at twenty percent, that means roughly three hundred thousand people. Get a, were affected with the flu that year, and therefore 60,000 died from it. That's an entire year. And they're like, well, you know, the coronavirus, only 1% of the people die. It's like, yes. But the coronavirus in three months and some change with social distancing has killed almost more people than the flu killed in a year. And, is a, and has a Affected, infected more than two and a half times in that period of people than the flu affected in a year. So I don't care what the percentage of the mortality rate is. If you are predicting that without social distancing, a hundred thousand people will die in five months, four or five months, and you compare that to a disease that kills sixty thousand people in a year. How are you going to tell me that the one who kills 60,000 in a year is less, is more dangerous than the one that kills 100,000 in four months? Maybe my numbers are mixed up, but I don't know how 60,000 deaths is more lethal than 100,000 deaths, whether the time period is the same or the time period is different when, when the 100,000 is shorter. I don't get that. So that's why when people talk about, ah, oh, it's the flu, but that came from being under people like O'Connor, you know, like Muhammad Ahmed, like all of these other people, like Mary Baraka, all of them, Dick Gregory, the, um, 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 the last poets, all of them, it made me challenge not in a, like, uh, a, an interrogative way, but challenge what I'm being taught. To validate the truth in it And we don't get that a lot of times People read the internet And be like Okay that's the truth It's like for real (laughs) It's just like That's it huh (laughs) You read an article It said it. you're not going to check it right You know like somebody put up an article Hello Yeah I'm listening
2: Yeah I was going to say That also comes from Again, elders in school. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We've got we've got school-aged children. My daughter goes to school, and she had to do a report. And by the time she was done doing this report, <clears throat> she couldn't stand up to questions I asked her. And I'm like, how did you get an A on that? Like how did your teacher give you an A? I'm happy you got an A, baby, but you ain't learned shit. You know, now I didn't I didn't, you know, dog her like that. But I did say something, you know, between me and her mom, like, hey, she didn't learn shit. You know, there's certain questions she should be able to answer. Okay. There's a difference between being taught and being educated. Mentors educate. They cause you to go back and look and think and rationalize and do all of those things. You know what I mean? Dick Gregory, mm-hmm. you can look up you can look up Dick Gregory online right now. And he'll tell you where he got his information from, and you go and look and research, and then you can go find out and, you know, see if he's correct or not. Dick Gregory said something about chemtrails, right? And I think Mm -hmm. a year or so later, Prince was on Tabitha Smiley talking about chemtrails. He got it from Dick Gregory. You know Everybody thinks you know Prince was all about High heels and this that and the other But that brother was He was very knowledgeable he, he would study all kinds of stuff Same with Michael Jackson Same with uh, a lot of people That you're talking about And it's one of those pillars Of you have To Study You can't take and that's what and I think that's what one thing that both you and I got from a lot of the mentors that we've had and elders that we've had the pleasure of sitting around and and just being around. So that that's one reason why, you know, most people's conversation and not to say that we're you know, we're snobbish and you know oh, well, I think I'm some intellectual giant and all of that. Not saying that, but that's the reason why, you know, most people, when they're talking with us, we're like, yeah, this conversation only lasted five minutes, and it was four minutes and 30 seconds too damn long. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. we've had the privilege and the honor of Sitting around and being around people like that, like you, I mean, well, most people don't know, but they will find out if they tune in. When when and if we can get Doom on, you know, being over Doom's house, you say something and it was out of pocket or and or just incorrect. Doom will politely invite you to shut the fuck up. Like it was just <laughs> and we'll check that and we'll check that nonsense in right then and there. <laughs> and he did it in a way mm-hmm. and where you and he didn't have no problem with it. And you was just like and you didn't think about jumping bad, you just politely shut the fuck up. And it and it wasn't just people, you know, who were younger than him. He did it with niggas, he did it with people that was older than him and his same age and especially younger. But see, that's the that's where an eldership role comes in because those were some people who were working to get their eldership. That I've seen him do that too. When I say people in their in their age, but Doom was already that elder, even with them.
1: Yeah,
2: you see what I'm saying. So they they had no you know we say bow down but they had no you know they, all right this is I got to give you that you know what I mean but that's the difference mm-hmm. between that's 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 what we got that's and that's what uh, uh, somebody who is going to educate you on stuff will do for you. You know, there's a difference between education, and elders provide an education. Now, whether you can get, uh, whether you can, there's many degrees, i put it like that. There's degrees that you can hang on your wall, and then there's degrees that you can hang on the halls of your mind and in your heart and walk around and teach the math. One just gets you some paper, the other one gets you, provides you with um, being known for a lifetime, you know, and if you can get both, great, but, you know, you can't discount one for the other, you know, and that's what a lot of people, I think, nowadays are doing, they are forgetting that you have the greatest computer already in your in, in your skull, and that's your own brain. Use it. Think. It ain't illegal yet. You know, little things <laughs> that we learn. Yeah. Like, hey, book. Remember this, growing up. Use your head for something besides a hat rack. Yeah. First time I heard that, I was dumbfounded for two days. 'Cause I didn't know what the fuck a hat rack was. <laughs> and my mother was like, go to the dictionary and look it up. How you gonna insult me and give my ass a homework assignment? Found out what a hat was that, rack was. That, What'd you say?
1: That but that's that's the way it went back in the day. They wanted to educate you. They didn't just put you down just because they could. They, I believe they put you down to make you remember the embarrassment and the asinine, you know, um, nature of, of whatever you were doing and be like, listen, don't do this next time. You know, this is what's going on. And they, but they wanted you to get better. They didn't say it for the point of putting you down. They, they told you for the point of, listen, Next time I see you, I want you to have the answer to this. Next time I see you, I want this to be done a little bit better than the way you do doing this. You see what I'm saying? That, and, and, right. And there was that, like you said, there was that education. They wanted you to learn. Nowadays, people just want you to accept what they, what you tell them. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and just walk around and parrot what you've been given it's like no dude i don't care who you are i mean everybody from my mentors to my pastors always used to ask how do you know that i know what i'm talking about you don't i'm teaching you so take what i said and research it not put me on trial and i say oh that joker is is terrible and you know therefore i'm going to i'm going to um look at you know i'm going to look up what he says it's like no hold me accountable make sure that what I'm telling you is the truth. What I say has some validity, holds some weight. Don't allow me to tell you anything just because I'm your mentor and I'm your teacher. Still make sure that it is your responsibility, And because in other countries they call them learners, not students. You have teachers and you have learners. It is your responsibility as a learner to make sure that I teach. And it's my job as a teacher to make sure that you learn but we hold each other responsible, and people don't get that. When you are learning, you get to hold your teacher responsible. You get to say, you have to do this, or I'm not going to follow you. If you give me some mess, I'm going to call you on it, and if it happens again, i might have to find another teacher.
2: Word. Like my daughter, um your little your little niece and your little nephew, I've I've ruined them for history class. I'm gonna tell you that now. They had uh, a <laughs> daughters. She was <laughs> I did, man. Um they were doing, you know, a thing on the Middle East and they, you know, trying to try and figure out where the Middle East is and this, that and the other. And my little baby. She went to school and was like, I mean, just straight my talking points all the way down to the letter. And I was like, okay, one, I'm kind of flattered that you quoted me, but how you know what the fuck I'm telling you is the truth? (laughs) And she looked at me and she was like, I was like, no, baby, I ain't lied to you, but you know? <laughs> she got confused. You know like, wait a minute, what you, you? She like nigga, wait, what? And I said, right. But it's one of those things. Of, it's one of those things where I said, hey, you know, y'all are trying to find the Middle East. I said there is no such thing as the Middle East. The only reason why it's called the Middle East, and I broke that down for her. And then I said, well, you know, if there's a Middle East, there's got to be a Middle North, a Middle South, and a Middle West. I said, ask her where the Middle West is. And they're not going to be able to tell you, because the Middle West is in the middle of the fucking Atlantic Ocean. Because <laughs> the way they got to the, No, no, because if you think about it, the Far East is the what the quote-unquote Orient or... China, Asia, all of that. That's the Far East, right? Mm-hmm. The m- Middle East is North, West, Africa, right? But where, mm-hmm. where there has to be a center point from where they're getting these directions. The center point is Europe. That's the dead center of the fucking world. And then, if you get to the middle west, that's the middle of the fucking ocean. So this shit doesn't make sense, and neither does your terminology. So why don't you teach me what this shit really is? Now, no, minus the cuss words. That. Now, minus the cuss words, she kind of went in. <laughs> and... Mm-hmm. You know they start talking about Egypt. She was like, "Oh, you mean ancient Kemet? Okay, got it. Let's go." And the teacher had to redo her lesson plan because somebody in this class didn't let them go for the okie doke because my daughter had, and I'm not saying this to be braggadocious. She had a father that wasn't going to let her go for the okie doke. No nope, niggers. Let me let me explain something to you. And it holds up. So, so as we said before, before we, before, like I said when we first started out, before I got to Dune, O'Conta, you know, before I got to Dune and Oconto, I, I went with my mama, my daddy, Aunt Tiny, Uncle Frank, <laughs> right there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mama, Daddy, Uncle Frank, Auntie, right there. Foundation before I, 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 I before I looked, before I even even knew of a cat named O'Connor or I.B.O. Odoon or The crazy part is, I heard the last poet, uh because I got into hip hop and everything. My boy was like, hey, man, you need to listen to this. These these cats are like the grandfathers of hip-hop. And I was like, all right, man, the drum sounds cool. I'll listen to it. I brought it home, and my father was like, what the fuck? Where'd you get this from? Oh, my God. Hey, do you know? And he started giving me all this knowledge about the last poet that I didn't know. Who knew that one day I would be sitting in this man's living room?
1: Yeah,
2: you see what I'm saying? So it's just so when I think mm. about stuff like that, it kind of bugs me out. But at the same time, it's just like, okay, this is my life path, my life journey. Mm. <clears throat> you know, it's just some shit I did because do. <laughs> yeah. I don't really think about it like that. You know, but when I'm like, now that I'm talking to you about it, I'm like, damn, that shit is crazy. But it, you know, it is what it is. But that that yeah. means that, hey, you know what? Maybe you should turn off the TV. And, you know, the two greatest things my mother ever taught me is the two greatest things she's taught me is, one, to be potty trained, and two, to read. Yeah. Two greatest things that my mother has ever taught me. One... and And I list them in that order because, you know, learning how to read opened up every world and avenue and everything else. And I can do the same thing for my children and for other people's children and other adults because I'm an, as you know, as much music as I listen to, I'm an avid reader. And I research people who are really, really important to me. And then I researched their mentors as well, or their uh, influences. But, you know, as far as being potty trained, you know, I don't give a damn who you are. You can find a cure for COVID and cancer and, and HIV, but ain't nobody <laughs> giving a damn what you got to say if you're still pooping on yourself. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> there it is.
2: <laughs> Big yeah, ups, mommy. Really. Hey man, my <laughs> birthday, my mama's birth, my mama's birthday is in uh, a little over a month, so y'all gonna hear a lot of uh, Brenda Irene anecdotes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, but you know it's, but even something as simple as that, you know, um, when we talk about like what what we were taught. You know, we take it for granted when we're taught this stuff that everybody was taught it. But, like I, like I said, I, uh, um, it was a story where, um, a situation where when I was working a as, as special ed at a school, they had kids come in from college to tutor in the after-school program. And it was a free thing. They did it for, like, I guess college credit or just experience. 'Cause they wanted to be teachers and stuff and they came in there and they were work. And one day I saw a young the young brother, he's about nineteen, twenty, and he was interacting with one of the kids, and I was like, Ooh, and I forgot exactly what it was, but I was like, Yeah, that ain't that ain't culture. Let me go over here, rock with homie, you know what I'm saying? Get him to understand what's going on, and then you know, we're gonna be good. So man, I come over there and I say, listen, dude, um, can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, that's that's, that's kind of rough. And then next thing you know, the dude was like, "Well, you know, no one's ever told me that before." I said, as a as a as a young man, no one's ever had this conversation about how to interact and how you might come off and the way to choose, you know, what you're saying. He's like, "No." And when I walked away is how does a 20-year-old dude come about, and he's in college, and he has not had a conversation with a man about manhood? Wow. You see what I'm saying? How is that? Wow. You know what I'm saying? That That is some wild stuff. You know what I'm saying? And for me, that 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 was be beyond scary. Literally. Scary. Because that means that there are people who are falling from, falling in the cracks, literally. And they're walking around, and we got this idea that they are whole, that they that they are functioning all that, and not to say that um, that they're flawed in some way, but they not. They don't have the rudimentary elements of life that that we take for granted. You know what I'm saying? That that are the cornerstones of 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 maturity and understanding. That junk is rough. And so I understand how blessed I am to have people in my life to have taught me, you know, to have explained what a rite of passage is and what not having it in our lives has done to us and how we should have some form or fashion of rites of passage where, you know, there's a clear transition from childhood to adulthood and that is codified with some rules and some regulations as far as expectations and just common sense aspects of life to walk with. And when it's not there, it's like, wow, like, in our culture, how do you become an elder? There's no set structure. There's no set, you know, um, body of information. There's, there's no set history that we've agreed on. There's no set standard for elders. You basically become an elder in in America, like you said, by growing old.
2: All right. Of course, we know we're elder. Okay, go ahead. Let's give the people a minute to digest everything that they heard, come back, and talk about next week and and go from there. All right? Yes, sir. All righty. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, here you go, because I know you've been, I know you miss Cleveland sometimes. Here you go, I got something for you. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Are we back. Oh back. yeah,
2: we are back. Yeah, let me let the people know. Hey, uh, that was taking the waterfront by force. That was a old, excuse me, break dance classic right there. I I I've been in the eighties mood all day, so like I've been listening to a lot of stuff from the eighties. And that was an old uh, breakdancer's classic. It was pop locking, and you get your kicking and all of that on, which is, um, which is really dope because even going back with legacy, um, one of the main things, um, like hip hop is actually a year older than me. I think hip-hop in the Zulu Nation is actually a year older than I am. So when I say I am truly a child of uh, or or a, a little brother to hip-hop, that's what I am because, you know, it's, it's, it's a year older. It's, it's my big brother. So a lot of the shaping and molding and where it was going, I kind of was able to kind of move along with it, you know, when it hit them, especially when it hit the mainstream, like, you know, I was trying to, you know, out there popping and picking and break dancing and spinning on my head, you know, asking, you know, uh, trying to steal uh, boxes from the grocery store so I can, you know, get break <laughs> dance and stuff on them. Like, you know, man, I thought I was, Like, nobody wanted to be Lee from Beach Street, but everybody wanted to be, you know, Turbo and Ozone from Breaking. Shout out to uh, Shabadoo and Boogaloo Shrimp, by the way. You know, Poppin' Taco, you know, all of those cats. Everybody wanted to be those dudes, you know, which is, if you, and no, I'm not going to tell you, I I told y'all Breaking, so, you know. Google. <laughs> you know, um <laughs> Boogaloo. Boogaloo Shrimp actually has a uh a documentary on Amazon Prime. You know, I found that out and I was like, man, I watched it, then I moved furniture out the way and I was out there like I was still trying to do the stuff he was doing. Every like that was my do. You know, one of the things that um, I have on my bucket list is to actually go to a class uh, done by Shabadoo. Shabadoo is the cat that played Ozone. And then, like, try and get into a... a Boogaloo Shrimp still teaches dance classes. That's the cat that played Turbo, Michael Chambers. But he Mm -hmm. only... He selects his students, and he only does private lessons. So I want to get into a, I want I want to get into a private lesson with with him. Those are like two of the things that's on my bucket list. So you know, um, if anybody knows them, you know, they can get me in contact with them. Like for real, for real. Call the show. I give you my number. Please, 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 please. I got a birthday in September. We'll travel. All right. <laughs> hey, shameless plugs. <laughs> you know. Like a dude with money that's balled in too early. Shameless plugs. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> I heard that.
2: Yo. All right. So we um so we're definitely going to have uh one of the mentors in. Um I yeah. like calling them mentors, but I like really for the people explain saying what they actually are and those are master teachers. You know. Yeah. Um when you are in the presence of a master teacher, you just shut the fuck up and let a master teacher teach. That doesn't mean that we won't. We don't want you guys to call in. We definitely want you guys to call in and absorb some of the knowledge, ask questions. I can't promise you what those answers are going to be like, but, you know, <laughs> hey. Yeah. Yeah, just don't yeah. come on no
1: mess because they will call you on it.
2: Man. So definitely call in and learn. Yeah, but if you do call on some mess, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna have a, a, a freshly popped bowl of popcorn, <laughs> and
0: an icy cold
2: soda. Cause when the show begins, I'm ignorant as hell. I'm laughing, and I may not even mute the, and I may not even mute the phone. I'm telling y'all now. Y'all got a weak (laughs) head up. Don't get mad. You were warned. (laughs) So I'm telling y'all now, now, with that being (laughs) said, we do want y'all to call in and absorb a lot of the knowledge that these brothers are going uh, going to be given. Because it's very important and it's very um, essential and vital. And just from what they're going to give you is going to take us. Number one, it's going to help you go to your next chapter, your next level. And if, think about it like this, If, if only five people call in and they go to the next, their next step into reaching their highest potential, Think about how that's going to reverberate into the rest of the world because they're going to touch somebody, and their somebody is going to touch somebody, and that's going to circle around, and that's how you really make the world a better place. I heard that. But it's about
1: that time to let y'all know. Oh, wait dude, I don't know if you was keeping track of the time.
2: No, go what you said, go, go ahead. I was about to do that.
1: <laughs> it's about about that time, and you're gonna play it because I don't have it up for us to tell you to keep your eye on the sparrow like we we talking about legacy, but for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be pulling in some heavy hitters as far as mentors and master teachers, and we're gonna get this on, and we gonna I'm gonna do better about letting you know early when they come in so we can really you know get people listening and calling in but yeah, next week. On and popping. So, Gypsy, with that, give them a little bit of eye on the sparrow and let's head on out.